Yes, Ephesians 5. Well, Ephesians chapter 4, we learned a couple things. We learned that the Apostle Paul said to put off the old man and put on the new man. All right, put off the, the old man, the, the, the old ways, the old thingy, the flesh, uh, the life apart from Christ, and then put on the new man, put on the things of Christ, put on the mind of Christ, and, and to put on the things that honor God. And as we come to chapter 5, Paul, con- again, continuing that same thought, you see the, verse, the first word in chapter 5, he says, therefore, okay, because you've put off the old man, because you've put on the new man, because you've been changed, there's something that we should do as believers. And I love this area of text because it's so encouraging and such a great reminder that God has given us his Holy Spirit, yes, to change us, but also to help others, right? We're to be a beacon in this world as Christians. We're to be those people walking on the face of this earth that have answers for the struggles that are going on in our lives. We don't have every answer, but we have answers. We have the answer of trusting in God. We have the answers that God's at work. God's gonna do something. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the end, God wins, right? Yeah, God wins. And if you're God's, guess what? You win too. And and yes, dragging our problems, dragging our stress, dragging our issues with us along this way, but we're gonna win in the end. And it's gonna be so worth it when we're in that heavenly perspective. I don't even think we're gonna look back, (laughs) but I think we're just gonna be in an absolute awe of God's goodness in heaven. So as we come to chapter five, Paul will address our Christian walk. Our Christian walk, he's gonna use the word walk several times in these first 14 verses. And the word walk in the Bible is often a metaphor for practical daily living. Walking as a Christian, walking as a believer, walking as a child of God. The Christian life is a journey, all right? Once you give your life to Christ, the journey doesn't end. (laughs) Your journey continues, but guess what? You now have a companion. You now have the opportunity to walk with God, um, which reminds me of that, I forget what it's, it's an old poem called Footprints in the Sand. Many of you might know that. You know, you look at your life and you see a couple set of footprints and you're walking with God and then all of a sudden there's only one set. And I think in the poem it says, God, why did you abandon me? I said, no, my dear child, that's when I picked you up and carried you. God wants to carry us through this thing called life but he's also given us the Holy Spirit so that we can endure difficult things. So it's a journey, and we're to walk it out with God. We are to make consistent forward progress. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, does it? Sometimes it feels like two steps forward, one step back. It's like, oh, Lord, I just want to get there. Well, forward practice, walking in the Spirit. The biblical norm for all believers is that we walk in the Spirit. We don't walk in the flesh. We walk in the Spirit. We walk being guided by the Spirit, being encouraged by the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit. Here's news for you. You can't do it, but God can. You might not accomplish it, but God can accomplish it through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about many, many times. And, uh, you know, to live is to spend one's existence. That's That's the definition of the word live, to spend one's existence. It feels very empty right? To simply to pass one's life. That's living. 
But walking from a biblical perspective is to live according to any rule or duty to follow. So when Paul talks about walking, he's talking about walking in Christ. He's about walking in the spirit and powered by the spirit. Uh, my pad turned off here. The apostle Paul says in Galatians 5, let me get there real quick, excuse me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So he uses those two words, live and walk, okay? Live your existence in the spirit. Walk also in the spirit. A rule, a guide, a direction, a purpose. Here, God by his Holy Spirit has a purpose for each and every one of us in this world. And don't, don't think, well, my purpose is very small. Every piece counts. Every part of the body of Christ has value. So Paul says, if we live in the spirit, for us, I always, that's how I look at it, let us also walk in the spirit. I think that's for others. Letting others see our walk. He also says in Romans chapter eight, verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. So as children of God, we're to walk in the spirit. In other words, the spirit is the one who gives us life, and the Spirit is the one that gives us value to our life. That's the beautiful part about it. You're not doing life alone any longer. Oh, many of us might feel alone, but the Holy Spirit is there for us, so we should not be alone. Someone you can talk to. The Spirit speaks to you. You know, even it was even this morning, uh, I shared before worship, you know, Pastor Arjun and I were praying, and I just felt, the voice of God, right? I felt him encourage us to worship God. Now, I didn't even know the song set. And even the first song was all about praising him, lifting our voices to God. I'm like, Lord, you're just so good. God knows what's gonna happen in your future and God can speak to those things. So walking in the spirit is a day-to-day -day, uh, opportunity for us to glorify God. To walk in the spirit means that we yield to his control. We follow his lead and we allow him to exert his influence over us. Many of our prayers are, God, help me do this. God, please do that. And I, I, I'm guilty of it. And I catch myself. Oh, God, I need you to show up here. Oh, God, I need you to change this. Oh, God, I need you to do this, do this, do that. And then I get to the point where I'm like, Lord, I just want to follow what you're doing. Show me what you want, and I'll do it. Let's be obedient, right? Let's be obedient to what God is trying to accomplish. And it just, it lifts the burden, right? Of, I'm gonna trust God to change my life. He'll do that. But Lord, I just wanna participate in what you're doing. So Spirit, speak to me. Are you allowing the Spirit to lead your life? Think about this week the decisions and the choices that you made, the interactions maybe you had with coworkers or neighbors or friends or family? Are you being led by the Spirit? Or is the flesh always there? Is always the flesh coming out and you're being led by the flesh, the frustrations in the world? Listen, I believe as believers, we should start out every day with the mindset, it's gonna be a hard day. But God's gonna get me through it because I have the Holy Spirit. Because if we're prepared for that, instead of waking up here, oh, I hope today's gonna be an easy day, <laughs> and then we get disappointed. <laughs> it's like, wake up, it's gonna be a hard day. 
but God, you're with me. We're going to get through this together. Have you noticed that at the end of every day? God gets you through it. You're here, right? So God got you through it. God got you through another week. And God's preparing you this morning to get through this week, being led by the Spirit. Are you walking in the Spirit? Because that's what the Apostle Paul is going to show us this morning, is walking in the Spirit. Look with me at verse 1 and only verse 1. Chapter 5 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Uh, Again, I always like to say the word therefore is there for a purpose. It should remind us, okay, Paul, why are you saying this? He says, therefore, be imitators of God. Well, because, okay, if we look at the verses before it, uh, starting in verse 30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31 says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Because of this, Paul says, now therefore, because of that, because you're not to grieve the Holy Spirit, because you're not supposed to live out these fleshly sins and, and the darkness, and, the, and that you're to be kind to one another and tenderhearted, be imitators of God. Guys, it's our opportunity, and I would say our privilege to show the world God. Whoa. Are we showing the world God? Or are we showing the world that we're just a bunch of Christians that aren't living godly? Because people are looking at our lives. And Paul's saying, imitate God. How do you imitate God? You gotta know God, right? You gotta know his character. You gotta know his countenance in order to imitate him. It's following. Anytime I think of the word imitate, I always have this visual picture, I've shared it for years, of a dad going out on a Saturday to cut his grass. Starts up the lawnmower, and all of a sudden, his five-year-old son comes out there with his plastic lawnmower saying, Dad, I'm going to help. Dad's cutting the grass. Today, I'm going to cut the grass. Does his plastic lawnmower cut even one blade of grass? No. But he wants to imitate Dad. He wants to imitate his father. Guys, there should be a desire in us to imitate God. Have you found God to be gracious? then we're to be imitators of that. Be gracious. If you found God to be forgiving, then be forgiving. Have you been founding God to be uh, 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 faithful? Then be faithful. Imitate God, Paul is saying. Be imitators of God because that's what he wants us to do. Uh, I, was <laughs> I was watching a, uh, man, I, I just get so convicted that I watch YouTube videos too many times. I watched this YouTube video of this young girl I don't know how old, she's probably three. I don't know, I'm bad at that. And she's got lipstick all over this part of her face. And her dad is videoing her. So, so what did you do? Did you go into mommy's room? Uh-huh. What did you do? I got her wit stick, yip stick, is what she called it. Yeah, you got her lit stick? Yeah, I wanted to look like mommy. I wanted to look like grandma. And she calls it yip stick. And the dad says, did you look in the mirror to see how your lipstick looks? Well, where'd you get the lipstick? She turns to her dad and goes, from the Homie Depot. (laughs) Her dad lost it, from the Homie Depot. She wants to imitate her mom. What about God do you want to imitate? What about God should we desire 
to imitate. Notice he says, therefore be imitators of God, what? As dear children or as kids. We look to our father and we say, Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be just like our dad. We want to imitate our dad because there's a world out here that doesn't know God. And if we live by imitating our dad, by imitating our God, guess what? We show the world our dad. We reveal our dad to the world. Well, maybe some of us are sitting here and we're going, well, this past week I did not imitate my dad at all. Maybe my earthly dad. But I didn't imitate my heavenly dad. Guys, in order to imitate him, you gotta spend time with him. In order to imitate God, you gotta know him intimately and personally. First uh, Peter 1, 15, 16 says, and he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy as I am holy. We need more people, more Christians, imitating holiness of God instead of the other, unholiness. Breaks the heart of God when he sees one of his children being disobedient to his truth. How many of us know people who have fallen as pastors or just as Christians? They messed up. They let the flesh get in there. They they thought they were, I don't know, I don't know what they thought. They deserved it. Poof. You know what we deserve? <laughs> we deserve death. But by God's grace, he gives us life. And so imitate God's holiness. Be holy as he is holy. Guys, write that in your notes. Write that in your head. Write that in your heart. This week, God, you're holy. I want to be holy. Listen, we're human. We struggle with the things of the flesh especially when the enemy turns up the heat, especially when the enemy wants to trip us up and we lash out in the flesh. No, God's holy. I'm going to respond in a holy way. That's what we're called to do. And notice it doesn't say, think about God, admire God, adore God. No, this is a call to practical action, going beyond our inner life with God. You might have an amazing relationship with God when you do your devotion and you're sitting in your office or you're sitting in your bedroom and you're spending that time with the Lord. There's that intimacy. But as soon as you step out into the world, what happens? Does the devotion impact your life? Does the time with God change you so that the world can say, ah, that person has spent time with Jesus, right? They should see that on us. Spend time with him. It's important to see that Jesus is our example. Therefore, be imitators of God. Jesus was God. He's our example. How did he live? How did he respond? He's our example. But he's also our savior. He's also the one that, yes, we look to live according to, but we also should be living for, right? Because Imitating God doesn't save us. Trusting in Jesus is what saves us. Paul is saying, in your practical life, imitate your father. Imitate the Lord as dear dear children. Uh, Spurgeon, you know Spurgeon, he's amazing. Um, He has this quote. "What What are we sent into the world for? 
is it not that we keep men in mind of God, who they are most anxious to forget? If we are imitators of God as dear children, they will be compelled to recollect that there is a God, for they will see his character reflected in us. I love that. We are to help people, even believers, be reminded of God. When you respond in a godly way, it should encourage another believer, wow, I should respond in that same way. It brings God and puts God on our mind. It brings God into our hearts. It brings God into our lives if we're all imitating Christ. Will anybody do this perfectly? No. No, we'll get it right every once in a while. But that doesn't mean we give up. Doesn't mean we stop. We keep on trying. We keep on imitating. But Pastor Rob, you don't understand that person in my life, man, they push me, they push my buttons and I just, I just can't, no, 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 no. You keep doing it because it honors the Lord, not what it does to other people. It's not a performance-based thing. We do it because of what God has done for us. Imitate him. He goes on, there's another one, another quote. I have heard of an atheist who said he could get over every argument except the example of his godly mother. He could never answer that. Ooh. Even unbelievers can look at us and go, I don't believe in your God, but man, I'm having a hard time reconciling how you do what you do. Wouldn't that be amazing? That our life would cause someone to consider faith in God. Many times we spend our days just trying to be a good Christian. And we should. But the opportunities that we have to show other people God is too great. So when it comes to walking in the spirit, we need to walk like God. And I'm not saying you're gonna become a God, don't take it out of context. But walk like him. Let people know you belong to him because of the way you respond in this world. Moving on to verse two, he says this, and this is, this is the, the second thing. Not only we walk like God, we are to walk in love. And walk in love, he says, verse two, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, look at, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. As Paul writes this next section, he looks out and he sees a very corrupt world. The culture in those days was filled with sexual immorality. It was rampant. <laughs> you might even say it was a lot like our, life, our, our day. In our faces on our TVs, in our computers. It's always man's way of grabbing our attention. 
And Paul is saying, listen, you need to be walking in love and you need not to be walking in the way the world defines love. The world has a very warped sense of what true love is. True love is not sex. True love leads to sex. God created sex. Can you believe your pastor saying the word sex at church? This is unbelievable. How can this be? Because God created it. <laughs> and man perverted it. Be careful. Man perverted it. When I do premarital counseling, I try to encourage every couple to understand that sex does not make a marriage. A marriage makes sex. Intimacy. And sex is not just the, the physical. Intimacy is having a relationship with your spouse when you know their hearts and you desire to hear what's going on in their lives and you want to spend time with each other. That's true love. And Paul is saying, listen, you want to walk in love? <laughs> then walk in godly love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you want to know what God's heart is for love? That's it. Walk in that. Walk in that kind of love. Walk in that godly love, right? That, that love that keeps no record of wrongs. That love that is pure and holy. And Paul's saying, listen, walk in that love as Christ also has loved us. And I say this all the time, and we're gonna get to it because if you're reading ahead, you're gonna see verse 22. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands. So if you wanna take a Sunday off, son, ladies, we're gonna do a men's conference on wives submitting to their husbands. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. Now I just lost my, my thought. <laughs> I don't even know what, what? What was I saying? I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, oh there we go. As Christ also loved us. It takes the bar very high, doesn't it? We shouldn't look at each other and say, well, I just need to love someone as much as so-and-so loves someone. No. You need to love your spouse. You need to love others as Christ loved the church, as Christ also has loved us and given himself to us. It's a sacrificial love. Given freely, Christ living the perfect life, sacrificing himself so that we could have life apart from sin or apart from the consequences of sin. That's how we're to love. If we're loving with only expecting something back, that's not godly love. That's selfish love. I love my wife as long as she loves me. Bible doesn't say that. Bible says husbands love your wives, period. <laughs> as Christ loved the church, then period. Okay, got it as Christ loved us, if we're walking in that kind of love, then we're walking in the spirit. Because many of us are, what does it mean to walk in the spirit? Do I float around the room? No. You walk in love. You be gracious to, be cool to float around the room. Just walk in love. I don't know where I'm going with a lot of this. <laughs> if we're gonna walk in the spirit, Listen, we're gonna walk like Jesus. And when you read the Gospels and see how Jesus walked, he walked in total control. Self-control, godly control, he controlled every situation. And walking in the Spirit means you're walking in control. You're controlling yourself 
When the flesh rises up, you control it. You hold thoughts captive. You don't go to this place because it won't honor God. You want to search those places that God wants you to live and to love people. And I'll say this. We've all failed in a lot of ways. Don't look at your failures as an excuse not to change. Look at your failures as an opportunity to reveal that you need to change. And change. Begin to walk in love. Maybe this week you did things, oh, I messed up big time. And hopefully you acknowledge that. Hopefully you realize that. And hopefully you're convicted by that. And you want to change. Change. With God's help, you can change. You cannot change yourself. I don't care how hard you try. (laughs) You will mess up again. But if you're submitted to God and he knows your heart, he'll equip you. In order for us to love like Christ, we have to have the spirit, right? There's no way. I love you, but am I loving you like Christ? Depends. Depends on your church attendance. I'm glad you understand my humor. (laughs) It's not about church attendance. I love you because I know how much God loves me and how much I don't deserve it. That helps me to love you because you don't deserve it. We should just love each other because of the love God has given to us. My prayer has been for years God, fill me with your love so that I have the ability to love others. And if you feel like you don't have it, oh, I I just can't love that person, then you need to ask God to love you just a little bit more so you have a little extra to love that person. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to show you his love. Again, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I love that. A sweet-smelling aroma. When you're walking in the Spirit, when you're walking in love, guess what? It puts off a fragrance to the Lord, and he'd be like, that smells so good. It smells so good when you're walking in love. Romans 12.1, many of you guys know this verse. Here it is. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The word beseech, there it is again. I beg you, offer yourselves a living sacrifice. Die to the flesh, live for the Lord. It's our reasonable service, living wholly, acceptable to God. When you live according to the Spirit, guess what? It honors the Lord. He's well pleased. Others may not notice. Others may not see it, but God sees it. Boy, is that important, isn't it? To know that God sees everything is a good thing and a bad thing all at the same time. But he sees it all. And so you be nice to someone. You be loving to someone. God takes note. And that that should be enough. That should be enough reason. Verse three, Paul says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. The problem is it is named amongst us. It is named among the Christians and it is named among the church. The church has too many black eyes, too many bruises of people that have not lived holy lives. 
and it, it, it's damaging. Do not come to this church because I'm here. Come to this church because God is here. Come to this church because your Savior is here. Come to this church because the word of God is revealing himself to you. Because I could fail. I've seen many men who I thought never would fail have fallen. And it's, it's devastating to a ministry that's got their eyes on the man and not the Savior. Keep your eyes on God. If I do anything godly, <laughs> it's by God's grace. Thank him for that. But don't, don't look to me to be your answers. I don't have the answers, but God does. Fornication shouldn't even be mentioned. Shouldn't, shouldn't, we shouldn't even talk about it. And that's the sad part. We have to talk about it. But we shouldn't even joke about it. We shouldn't, no coarse jesting, not even bring it up as a joke. No, no, no. That's what the world does. The world enjoys that. The world has no problem with this. But Paul says, no, not for us is as not fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. What's interesting to me, again, all of these things that Paul is describing has to do with sexual immorality. Again, looking at the church culture, the society that they were living in, uh, sexual immorality was rampant. And the church was trying to survive in that place. And, and Paul is saying, listen, <laughs> don't do those things, but rather walk in the spirit and give thanks for the intimacy that God has given in the context of marriage. In the right context, intimacy is a blessing. In the right context, God honors that physical intimacy. And so we should give thanks. Thank you, Lord. He didn't have to add enjoyment <laughs> to it. It could have been a duty that we just do to make kids. But I'll be the first to say, sex is great. Moving on. No need to stay there. I'm giving thanks. <laughs> Verse five, I wanna, I wanna talk about this. For this you know. If you have a Bible that you can underline something in, <laughs> underline that. For this you know. And then ask yourself, do I know? Do I know? Paul is assuming for this you know. He's making a statement. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Does that convict anyone in this room? We might look at this verse. For you know, no fornicator, unclean person, covetous. Wow, God. <laughs> wow, Paul. I mean, covetousness, no one in here has ever coveted anything anyone else had, right? No, never. It brings us all to the same, same level. It brings all, even the simplest things are not fitting for saints. And even if you struggle with some of these, Paul's not talking to you. Struggling with these things is one thing. Living out these things is clearly something else, right? Totally different. So if you're here today and you have, where is it? Uh, 
if you have fornicated, if you have been unclean, if you have coveted, if you have been idolatrous to something, Christ's sacrifice on the cross is sufficient to cover those sins. Amen? It's living in these things. It's not even acknowledging that this is even a sin. That's who Paul's talking about. Because look at verse six. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Because of these things, God's wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience. Are you a son or a daughter of disobedience? Everybody say no. No, you're a sinner, yes, but you're a saint because of what Christ has done. So every mistake that we've ever made has been covered by the blood of Christ. That should free us to walk in love because it's not a burden to us because Christ has forgiven us. Listen, all of us, maybe not all of us, Suzelle never does coveting, but all of us coveted on the way to church today. I'm just kidding. You know, she's a sinner just like all the rest of us. <laughs> we all make mistakes. But because we have the Holy Spirit, we're convicted of those mistakes. That's the difference, my friends. It's not, you're not living these things. You're not, you know, walking out these things every day, just thriving on them. That's different. And that's what the world's doing. The world doesn't care. The world looks at marriage to one woman. Are you kidding me? If, if, if they're not nice to me, I quit this one and move on another. I'm not going to say it. I got to thank you for the Holy Spirit right there. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to ask me what I thought. I'll try to remember. <laughs> the conviction of the Holy Spirit keeps us, hopefully, in a place where we go, Lord, that was a bad thought, and I, don't, I want to give it over to you. I'm not going to uh, honor that desire. I'm not gonna step into that desire. No, Lord, I'm gonna ask you to help me overcome that desire. That's the difference. Because the spirit, the sons of disobedience do not have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We do. So for us to live in these things in, in, in blatant disobedience is certainly not good. Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit is there to help us go, I shouldn't be living like that. I shouldn't be doing, and listen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is for you personally. Conviction of the Holy Spirit isn't necessarily for someone else. God may reveal something to you. God might show something to you. But in love, you come to someone and you help them. I just don't think it's right for a, a spirit-filled believer <laughs> to feel it's their responsibility to convict someone of sin. You can talk to him about it, but you got to do it with a loving way. Don't you love the fact that the Holy Spirit convicts us lovingly? Right? Can you imagine if every time you had a bad thought or something, you tripped and fell? Right? I mean, whew, everybody would know. Ooh, yeah, they tripped. Ooh, I don't know what they were thinking. No, the Holy Spirit says, shouldn't be thinking that way. Thoughts shouldn't go there. And that's when we have an opportunity say okay Lord I'm going to trust you let it not even be speaking not even spoken of uh, I want to say this you know as Paul puts out this list 
It isn't avoid these things so that you can become a saint. It's actually the other way around. You're a saint, so you should desire to avoid these things. It's different, isn't it? It's different than works mentality. I gotta stop thinking. I can't look at that. I don't wanna look at that. I don't wanna hear that. Well, in the workplace, my, my coworker, well, they listen to that radio. I gotta stop listening to that. No, no, no. It's you are a saint and you wanna do those things. The Spirit gives you the strength to do those things and to do it in a way that's filled with love. Uh, verse seven says, therefore, do not be partakers with them says don't even participate in that now it's important to understand we are in the world but not of the world okay I mean it says don't be partakers with them but it doesn't mean don't minister to them okay don't participate but have use it as an opportunity say you know what I don't do that it's been ever since I've been in ministry uh, I was never a big drinker but as soon as I felt the call in my life, I just stopped drinking. And it's just amazing to me to this day, even when I'm at a Christian event and they're serving alcohol, no, I don't drink. And they look at you like you're a nut. And I'm like, praise God. They look at me like I'm a nut. But it's like, I don't even want to participate. I don't even want to be a part of that. So there's certain things in our lives that we shouldn't even be a part of. And we should not even... Oh, I can't do that. I don't look at it like that. It's like, no, 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 I want to honor the Lord in my life. So I don't do some things that the world can do. And so live the convictions of the Holy Spirit. Do not be partakers with them. Let people know you're a believer and sometimes you got to take a stand for things you don't agree with. Thirdly and lastly, woof, look at the time. Worship went way too long, you know. Just, <laughs> that's it. Uh, okay, last one. Verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. And here it is, this, the third one. Walk as children of light, walking in the light. We walk like God, we walk in love, and we walk in light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Anybody live like that? Sometimes we find out <laughs> what's acceptable to the Lord. Oh, Lord, you didn't like that. Okay, fine. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, here it is, expose them. And I, I believe by love. For it is shameful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are, manifest, are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This last one, you know, walking in the light. Um, as believers, we have been given the light of Christ, okay? We, we you know, as he as it says in uh, verse eight again, for you were once darkness. And you're not in darkness, you were once darkness. But now you, you're not in the light, you are the light. Whew. That takes it up a notch or two, don't you agree? 
Okay, now you're the light. You're the light that's shining in a dark place. You're the light that's supposed to be convicting others of their sin because of your life. Not in a judgmental way, right? We don't judge, especially unbelievers. But if we're walking according to the word, if we're walking according to the spirit and the spirit reveals something to us, then hey, we have an opportunity to expose darkness because we're light. Okay, Lord, I want to live in such a way that your light shines brightly on me, convicts me of my sin, but also flows through me so I can help others see truth. Is your heart in such a place that you would say to God, shine your light on me, Lord. Show me. We don't always fully understand what we're doing is right or wrong. Lord, show me. Something that I think is innocent, something that I think is acceptable, is it acceptable to you, God? Shine your light on me. Expose it. Reveal it. In fact, if you want to write it down, it's Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, one of my favorite verses, is search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and not just to expose wickedness, he goes on and says, and lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist says, listen, Lord, I want to live my life open before you. Search me. Search my mind. Search my heart. Search my motives. Search my intentions. Search my actions. See if there's anything in me that displeases you, Lord. And if there is an area of my heart that's a little dark, Lord, shine your light on it, expose it so that I can take it and I can give it to you. That's the heart of a believer that's walking in the spirit. They're convicted of their sin in such a way that, Lord, you shine the light on it and not, not like, oh, God, yeah, I've been hoping you were gonna get rid of that. No, God says, listen, I wanna help you get rid of that. He'll lead you in the way everlasting. He'll lead you in a place where you can say, that's no longer in my heart. That's no longer in my life, and now I'm living in freedom. What a picture it is for us of moving from darkness to light. Guys, it speaks clearly to me of Christ rising from the dead, right? Coming from darkness, coming from the tomb, and rising again in light. As believers, there was a time when we lived as darkness, and now we're living as light. That's a resurrection in itself. We're resurrected from the dead because we're living as dead people. And Paul reaches back into Isaiah and says in verse 14, awake you who sleep. I personally believe Isaiah is speaking to the world out there that's asleep. They're blinded to the things of God. But God's heart is, wake up, you're sleeping, wake up. You're, wake, you're sleeping, awake, you who sleep, arise from, notice, the dead, and Christ will give you light. That's the gospel. Before you came to Christ, you were asleep. And when you're sleeping, most of us in this room don't know what we're doing. Somebody in here will get that. You don't know what you're doing when you're sleeping. But when you wake up, you're like, oh, I was sleeping. You're made aware. God is knocking on all of our hearts. I've given you the spirit so that you'll live like me, so that you'll walk in love, 
and you'll walk in my light. There may be areas of your life where you are sleeping. You're not paying attention to that. You don't want to deal with it because it's hurtful. But I'm going to tell you right now, whatever it is in your life, bring it to the Lord. Let him shine his light upon it and let him deal with it in your life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to awaken us to his service. He wants to awaken us to the reality of how he might use us today dealing with our sin by exposing it to his light. Wouldn't it be amazing if all of us in this room shined his light so brightly that we're able to help each other, right? It says what in verse uh, 11, at the end of 11, but rather expose them that we would expose the sin in our hearts, in our lives, and give it over to God who forgives. Or even greater than that, our light shining in such a way and our life being lived in such a way that someone who doesn't believe says, I want your God. I want to believe. I want to wake up. I want the light. That's the opportunity we have. And that's the opportunity we're going to see if we walk in the Spirit. The last walk thing, or the last walk point we're gonna look at next week, and that's walking in wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I need wisdom. I need God's wisdom. I need to walk in that wisdom. Not my wisdom, not my ideas, God's. Because that's also walking in the spirit. So let's close in prayer. And in this prayer, maybe it's, Lord, search my heart. Maybe you're in that place right now this morning. Search my heart, Lord. There's something in me. Show me and then give it to the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the power of the word of God. God, just reading these scriptures, certainly for probably all of us, brings some sense of conviction of our life, the way we live, the way we lived this past week, the things that we're going through. Maybe we have tried too much of this life on our own. And this morning we were reminded that you have given us your Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us, to lead us, to fill us with your presence. Yes, certainly to help us with the things that we're dealing with, but even greater than that, to help others, to be the light of the world. So God, we pray that you would fill us with your light, that your light would so shine in this world that the world would glorify our Father in heaven. And we might look at this world and the darkness that's in this world and, and wonder how we're gonna get through, but Lord, we gotta be reminded that we were all once there. We all were asleep at one point. So God, help us to be a part of your plan to wake up those that are asleep, to expose the darkness in their life so that you can bring them salvation, that they can live victoriously and then also have the light shine through them. 
I pray for each and every one here today, God. You know what's going on in their life. You know what's going on in their hearts, the things that they're dealing with and concerned about. I would pray right now in the spirit that you would just whisper in their ears, I'm with you. Let them know that you're at work on their behalf, behind the scenes, putting things in place for them. We're so thankful that we know who you are. We're so thankful that we have you in our lives. Because any of us that have walked with you for many, many years shudder at the thought of living this life without you, God. What a dark and lonely place that is. So pour out your spirit on us all. Bless us. As we close in this final song, bless us on this Sunday afternoon. And bless us this week with obedience in the Holy Spirit for your glory and for your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.